Star Wars Legacy.html is brought to you by the fine folks at Cage Club. So for all things podcasts, movies, music, media, and more, head on over to cageclub.me or like, subscribe, and follow on all of your favorite social media and podcasting services. This is Husbands Talking More or Less Force Legacy. And this isn't like a forced legacy. It's not like one of those build me a statue of myself in a library to build a library. No, this is the legacy of Star Wars Clone Wars. So sometimes it's a little bit forced, but it's not our legacy. It's someone else. Absolutely. Our legacy is forming as we watch this. And I'll be honest, much like a mid-90s sitcom, the first few seasons of this were a little rough to get through. But I felt like once I knew the characters, I loved it. It feels familiar it feels comfortable there's an identity to all of this now but never did that matter like it mattered here for me now bff show contributor kyle has been talking to me about how much he loves the mortis arc and i've been getting so excited for it to be here and holy shit it really did live up to my expectations and then some yes and no for me personally it was more and less than i was expecting probably more or less if that makes sense so it was more or less but there was also some more yeah s'mores okay so so for you, this was a force s'more. A s'morfs. A force s'more. Yeah, I like that. As Nico mentioned, today we will be discussing the Mortis arc of the Clone Wars series, which is entries number 59 through 61 of the Star Wars Clone Wars chronological watch list, starting with season 3 episode 15, Overlords. All three of these episodes were written by Christian Taylor, who I better know from his work on Teen Wolf and being an absolutely gorgeous older gay man. The first and last entries of this three-part arc were directed by Stuart Lee. So this opening with a 2,000-year-old distress beacon. I don't know how I feel about numbers like that ever when they come up in things. It feels like Ray Repulsa in her space dumpster for 10,000 years. It feels like a number you're just throwing out there to be grand without actually putting any thought into what that then means for the history of this galaxy. And to that end, I read that kind of two ways. Number one, looking at my notes, I misread my own note of Jedi distress code not used in 2,000 years as Jedi not enforced dress code in 2,000 years. And I I thought to myself, then who the fuck is behind the rat tails? That's appearance guidelines, not dress code. Oh, okay, yeah. N- not enforcing dress code would explain why they've all been walking around in pajamas for the last several hundred years, though. Everybody's got to be in Jedi look because it's on with the show. And the other thing it made me think, and this is such a stupid, weird thing, but like, I actually hate the idea that technology hasn't changed in 2,000 years. Like, that this type of distress beacon is still so readily the fucking use that it's still being used. Well, it's not readily, but they were still able to pick it up. It's kind of like if we picked up a Morse code signal today, I guess, or something. I I don't know. But yeah, please correct me if I'm wrong. Would my cell phone know what to do if a modem dialed into it? It raises a lot of questions that I think there are at least debatable answers to in regards to the Star Wars universe, its evolution of technology, etc., etc. It does frequently feel like technology plateaued at a certain point and... 
and we don't really see a lot of new we see designs gradually change over time but yeah it feels like several thousand years ago they just discovered space travel and we're like we're done we're not trying too hard anymore some planets will have cities most people on these planets are agrarian and that's just the way life is in this galaxy I think what stands out though is while this universe is kind of stunted in that way the creation of this universe remains a dynamic changing entity the way that the iconography on the other side of the like black hole they get sucked into looks so much like the Wayfinder iconography and the visuals from Rise of Skywalker it really makes me believe that Dave Filoni and the Lucasfilm Star Wars brain trust Kathleen Kennedy's got this in hand I loved the design of Planet Mortis it was beautiful the family this the father the daughter the son all of their designs are a little bit on the nose but on the nose in line with what we know Star Wars to be at least I think the daughter was probably the oddest design the son definitely looked like a Sith Lord absolutely that was not a question the dad just kind of looked like Merlin yeah and that to me feels very light side of the force she was very green I felt that she looked a lot like Zelda from Zelda yeah I can see that and not necessarily bad just not exactly what I picture light side of the force wielders and I thought that was what she was supposed to be the epitome of it was also very weird that it felt like Anakin was flirting with her at first because a you're married and b that's wildly out of character for you to begin with he was coming off very Han Solo at points in this episode and I don't know if that was just a mistake or something they were going for on purpose well I think part of her looking so different is that they kind of represent a holy trinity if we look at it in a judeo-christian sense the father the son and then she's the holy spirit that's why she's glowing and ethereal and angel-like so I understand that she's a little bit different but then she doesn't represent a Jedi she represents a force ghost and the father represents Jedi and the son is the Sith so there's kind of like some layers to it and the fact that the whole world looks like a sonic level absolutely works for me so I guess going off of your interpretation my bigger problem then would be that I don't feel there is anyone in the Star Wars galaxy that I have seen or so far heard tell of that does represent the light side of the force if the father is the Jedi and the son is the Sith we don't know any groups that the daughter is the epitome of the force ghosts you know everybody at the end of six and all the voices at the end of nine including Freddie Prinze Jr. just putting that out there what a cool guy I guess but speaking of force ghosts and speaking of voices uh Liam Neeson Liam Neeson and Mama Shmi yes Pernilla August actually did return for the voice of Shmi to call Padme a poisoner like I don't assume that's actually Shmi talking to Anakin I don't know maybe it actually even is who knows it was intense to see that language though uh, uh, I, 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 I don't know I don't know a lot of the force ghost stuff and the prophecy stuff I found it kind of confusing fun but really confusing well I want to touch on your point about Shmi for a moment there is a long famous thing in Buffy where Amber Benson chose not to come back for the episode conversations with dead people because she didn't want an evil spirit using Tara's guise to mislead Willow and have that be the last thing that fans saw of that character visually right so I guess this is what happens when you do that and maybe for some people Amber Benson had a standout point I've always sort of seen her point not been thrilled with the choice especially because of what we 
ended up getting in the episode anyway. I think if that's not Shmi, then how do we know that the other vision is actually Qui-Gon talking to Obi-Wan? So there's that. You know, the question becomes how much of a person is really what is the Force Ghost? Not to jump the gun, but even when he was not Hayden Christensen, the Force Ghost at the end of Jedi never looked like a cracked egg. And so he looked like we can assume Anakin then looked like, kind of, you know what I mean? So I guess your force ghost self is parts of you, right? And the Sith was able to, or the Sun was able to conjure up the darkest parts of Shmi. And, you know, he said something about nothing ever really dies and more than just Pharrell. It made me think of the Emperor and how the Emperor is so unkillable. You know, even as you were coming to that suggestion about Shmi, I was thinking about it in my head and I feel like, you know, most people would probably want to say, yes, that's definitely Qui-Gon, but no, that's definitely not Shmi. And I think you raise an excellent point about the darkest parts of people and the possibility that that is a darker part of her, because most of what she says is being concerned for Anakin and wanting to see him fulfill his role as the Chosen One, which, you know, again, as I mentioned, it got a little confused here for me, because I feel like the father is suggesting this is what Anakin was the chosen one for and especially with Obi-Wan being so personally obsessed with the chosen one prophecy it's what he screams at Anakin on Mustafar in episode 3 it's part of you know what he took from Qui-Gon and wanting to fulfill Qui-Gon's legacy so the fact that he's not more invested here in them talking about the prophecy was really weird to me and I kind of feel like you know when you have like a the big prophecy and you want something to go five years you can lean into the one big prophecy and then when you try to go another two seasons you kind of have to come up with another big prophecy and then you need to come up with another big pro and like it, it keeps building on itself so I understand why they found themselves in this position where they were kind of trying to buy time but so much of what we got here was so important you know beyond just the Jedi not liking you and so they call you Sith or the implication that Anakin is possibly planting seeds of darkness in Ahsoka there were things about the general Star Wars universe, such as the Sith are but one group looking to exploit the power of the Force, and I feel like we saw that a little bit with Talzin because I assume all magic kind of relies on the Force in some way. Yeah, I would agree. That's definitely something that I think is inherent about this universe. I really thought it was cool seeing Anakin go balls to the wall with his Force abilities on Mortis, especially after the encouragement from his master. I think we've commented a lot that their relationship as master and student is a very complicated one so when we see Obi-Wan positively reinforcing and educating Anakin about the force I really appreciate it something that we both agreed was very weird and very dumb was trying to make Anakin choose between his Padawan and his master any master would agree that you you, you say the Padawan that's not a question what a dumb question Obi-Wan I'm surprised he wasn't more emphatically and vocally save Ahsoka like, that's just, that's not a question. I can't imagine Obi-Wan saying anything else. And, you know, I my notes originally said, bird attack. Oh shit, double-sided bird attack. Choose Ahsoka. There were things about this that I felt were definitely, this should have been two episodes. I think that's like 99% of the time I complained. This should always be one episode less. The bird attack was even cool. And I understand the test of making him choose. But it was the fact that they acted like there would be any question. If that's your Padawan, and if Padawan means what I am led to believe it does, that 
that's not a question. You save the person who needs more protecting. I love your bird attack notes, though. I was also very impressed by the bird attack, and I thought they were very cool. I did love the designs on these characters. I thought they were fun, interesting, really visually accomplished their goals. Some fun factoids. The father is voiced by Lloyd Schur, who is the voice of bounty hunter Callow Nord in the Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic video game from 2003. The daughter is voiced by Adrian Wilkinson, voice of Maris Brood, a Padawan who survived the Jedi Purge and turned to the dark side in the video game Star Wars The Force Unleashed. And the son is voiced by Sam Witwer, voice of Galen Merrick, aka Starkiller, from the Star Wars The Force Unleashed video game, as well as voicing the Emperor. And he will be returning as the voice of Darth Maul in the Clone Wars series. Wait, like Sam Witwer? Like, like the kid who buys steroids in that episode of Veronica Mars? No, that's Sam Huntington, who is also in the U.S. version of Being Human. Sam Witwer is the vampire in the U.S. version of Being Human. He was also in Battlestar Galactica, and he played Hyde on Once Upon a Time. I'm gonna believe you. He also played a gay dude who hit on Mac in a very, very, very early season of It's Always Sunny in Philadelphia. So, like, can he come back now that Mac is out? Gay Mac! Gay Mac! This middle installment, Season 3, Episode 16, Altar of Mortis, was directed by veteran Clone Wars director Brian Kalen O'Connell, and it starts with Anakin dreaming about talking to Anakin, which is my living nightmare. Okay, my problem with this episode is, like, if this was Star Wars Clone School, the son would be the new kid in town, and it would kind of play out like the Francie Rory storyline from Gilmore Girls, where she's like, you don't fuck with me, I'm Queen Chilton, bitch, and... I kind of feel like the son would be like, nah, you're in my posse now. Hang out with me. And he would like try and get Anakin to smoke in the bathroom. And like, I feel like these are the nightmares that Anakin would have being peer pressure bullied on Clone High. Wait, that's not Clone High. Different show about clones. Also, this involves kidnapping. So does that make it more like a jawbreaker situation? Kind of One Tree Hill. Who got kidnapped on One Tree Hill? You know, people. Probably people. Peyton got tied to a chair. In her own house. That's not kidnapping. That's... Well, I mean, if you're tied to a chair in your own basement by your creepy not real stepbrother half brother half brother thank you fake half brother no less so if you're tied to a chair in your own basement by creepy Derek and you're rescued by real Derek were you ever kidnapped at all this is how she lost to mom poor Laura Palmer but to come rocketing back to the kidnapping I so like the son just appears on the departing spaceship and takes Ahsoka and like okay fine you're that powerful but it's not exceptional dynamic storytelling. Why didn't that just happen at the end of the last episode? It's just one of those things where it feels like they want every single episode of Clone Wars to be as closed-ended as possible. So frequently, at the beginning of a second part of an arc, something will happen that should have naturally come at the end of the last episode. So it just feels really fucking weird. And uh, I liked a lot of this, but this was probably the weakest part of the three. And so we will destroy the Sith and the Jedi. And when he, when Sun shouts that and he says that, and the Jedi, he kind of sounds like Palpy, and I'm like, all right, and you got Palpy eyes, which friend of the pod Kyle explained to me is what happens when you use dark side energy too much. You get real fucked up eyes, and I'm like, can you imagine the other symptoms, though? Ah, I used too much force lightning, and now I have tennis elbow. I used too many Jedi mind tricks, and now my knee gives out in the rain. Like, I don't understand, but sure, your eyes get real fucked up. But speaking of eyes, the plot of this episode involves the all-seeing eye of, like, Saruman having gangrene towering 
above them. And then it had nothing else to do with the plot. There's like a tower that's an altar that houses a dagger that can kill them. And of course the woman accidentally gets killed because why not? And like that's the thing that bugs me about him just popping up and kidnapping Ahsoka at the beginning. If these beings are that powerful, why is she not more powerful to be able to do things to help them better? Is it because good is so fucking weak? I, I'm really tired of that being a trope that people constantly go to. That darkness is so much more powerful than good and oh no, now the daughter is killed so now the Sith is going to roll across the galaxy like a dark wave? Is that why Darth Vader turns to the dark side? I don't... So complicated. Weird. And I need to jump back a second because you left out the part where the sun transforms into a little British bug man. Something straight the fuck out of Captain Britain, no less. He looks kind of like the Nelvanians from Clone Wars No The. Yeah, yeah. And then uh, goes up and bites Ahsoka on the bite. He does. And so I was like, is she going to turn into a were-alien? What the fuck? Is this Is this some other story that's about to... Oh, fine. So then she's like a were-sith or something? Darker by the moon or something? I don't hate any of it, especially the biting. It's just that it shocked me. I didn't expect this little creature, even if it was evil, to suddenly bite her and then turn into the sun. But I'm like, yeah, okay. The devil would do that. Sure. The evolution of the arm, motherfuckers. And then, oh shit, red force lightning. Yeah, I think the connective tissue between two and three is kind of the same sloppiness that was the connective tissue between one and two, where, like, literally, this episode ends with the father being like, "Mm, we gotta kind of do what we gotta do, but you gotta get the fuck off this planet because he cannot have access to your spaceship. I'll probably kill my son, but you gotta go. And then the next episode starts with Anakin being like, I gotta get dad's blessing to leave. And I'm like, no, no, he said to go. And every minute you stay here is stupid. Well, first I forgot to point out that episode 16 aired on February 4th, 2011. Happy birthday, Nico. The final part of this arc, season three, episode 17, Ghosts of Mortis. Um, Yeah, for one thing, we start with Ahsoka fixing the spaceship and like, isn't Anakin a tech wizard? And like, kind of seriously, a space tech wizard with a magical light stick wand. Like, he's literally a science genius. And, uh, uh. Plus, they're all three being like really chill and not acting like they just saw a material incarnation of the light side of the force be murdered and then be told by the person keeping balance between her and the embodiment of the dark side of the force that now the dark side is going to overpower the galaxy they're all just sort of like gotta get back to work and in terms of everybody having a bit of a stunted reaction to the civil like it's kind of a star wars prequel thing people were much more mute so often you hear on reality shows a person be like you know they sent me home i guess they saw my reserved strength as dispassion and i'm like no they saw a person with obvious sociopathic tendencies and they wanted to get you off the show but this is one of those situations where i feel like star wars the prequels are just genuinely about really dispassionate performances a lot of the time and so when the father is like no I don't need your help Annie I'm gonna kill my son on my own I'm like okay you know what it's stupid but it's not as stupid that I mind in Star Wars like I'm kind of like okay that's dumb no one would do that in real life but in Star Wars it makes sense I completely hear what you're saying I definitely agree on the stoicism etc and I think that even ties in with how disappointingly easily Anakin falls in line with the son it's unfortunately 
in character for who Anakin Skywalker becomes and who, frankly, he's even been so far at many points. I was shocked that Qui-Gon showed back up. Well, you know, voiced back up. How he do. And I kind of have another thing that maybe surprised. I understand that the sun is no better than Palpatine and is probably worse because he's cosmically powerful in a way that Palpatine is not. But, um, kind of wish this guy had just, like, gone and killed Palpatine. Like, I just hate Palpatine so much, right? Like, I really do. So just, like, I would have rather seen this guy with a Vader than Palpatine with a Vader because at least this guy can transform into a bird. What the fuck can Palpatine do that's so great? Put in fake teeth and now he's on a hologram? Ooh, I'm shaking in my big throne chair that I never get out of because I'm an old feeble man. Uh, well, here's part of the flaw in a story like this for me. The fact that that is immediately what I think of where that would be kind of so much a more engaging and dynamic story for us to see than Palpatine using politics and looking like a prune to overthrow the government. We could have had Kratos from Gods of War transforming into a Megazord this entire time. Find me that fucking old man in a Senate seat. I could kill him right now. One of the reasons I was very excited to get to this arc and my research for this arc was having seen in my previous excursions on Wikipedia that there was canon that had been kicked out by the Disney acquisition into Star Wars Legends category about these characters. Star Wars Legends frequently referred to mysterious ancient beings, sometimes called celestials or architects, or in fanon, hyperspace aliens, who purportedly played a role in giving humans hyperspace technology. Legends began linking these beings with the family, most directly in Fate of the Jedi Apocalypse in 2012, after Lucas licensing suggested author Troy Denning use the Mortis backstory as part of the character Abeloth's history. Abeloth being a incredibly powerful, malevolent force in the Star Wars Legends galaxy whose power is on a comparable scale to the Mortis figures. That's like a lot of firepower to not be in the films. I understand that's the whole point of the expanded universe. Like, but like, wow! Why don't people talk about that? Everybody knows about Galactus. You know, the, the one above all might be kind of like a, who the fuck is that? You might be like, I don't know who the Shaper of Worlds is, but people are like, oh no, Darkseid, he's a bad motherfucker and he's from Apocalypse. It's one of the ways in which I understand people being frustrated that they didn't simply adapt the expanded universe to film. I still think it would be very viable and amazing to perhaps adapt it as some kind of animated series or series of films. There's no reason they can't. But while the expanded canon was great, I'm really, really, really glad that the Skywalker saga wraps up these characters because the fact that it was constantly these characters would have probably become very annoying if they they tried to continue the Star Wars galaxy to me because, like, the Fate of the Jedi story was an arc featuring the Skywalker solo Jedi Sith ongoing battle that would have continued on through Han and Leia and Luke's children. And at a certain point, it's it, it does become too much. And I think how frustrated people are with the story Disney came up with indicates that a story that would have had more children, more Sith 
lords. More Jedis, more fighting would have just pissed people off more. However, I think things like the expanded canon or the Clone Wars TV show are great places to get material for films from. And the visual designs that go into these things are amazing. And I really understand what you're saying. You know, I spoke to Kyle about it and I was like, so do we get to see the father-son more? And he was like, not really. They're referenced here and there, but this is kind of it. And you know what? One of the worst things they ever did was tell us where Wolverine came from. If you don't already know the origin of something, frequently revealing the origin is a disappointment. And if you're not going to do like a Rogue One thing where you're adding an element, you maybe don't need the origin so much. And speaking of the visuals, that moment with Vader's mask behind Anakin, just so good, so pretty. I love it so much. Absolutely. Anytime that they do something where they hint at future canon, it's always a risk. But I think it was done so artfully in this episode and the visuals were amazing. I really expected them to have their memories removed at the end of this adventure. Anakin's memories of the future were taken, but they still remember their encounter on Mortis with the father and the son and the daughter. And that's, again, odd. I don't understand how Obi-Wan can't possibly think of this during episode three. So the fact that he remembers it, I think that there could have been like, was it a dream? But the fact that they were like, nope, it happened. We're just never going to talk about it again. I'm just going to attribute it to dark side brain damage. Just a little too close to a little too much dark side for a little too, you know what? It's all the Jedi mind tricks. Oh, it's like the eyes, but for Jedi. My last remaining fun fact about this episode is that Sith Lords Darth Revan and Darth Bane were slated to make appearances as advisors to the sun, but were cut late in production. Darth Bane would later appear in the episode Sacrifice, which is Christian Taylor's final episode, with an entirely redone character design, which is his current canonical appearance. And if I'm not mistaken, he is voiced there by Mark Hamill. So that's something fun to look forward to. Well, I'm looking forward to so much now after this Mortis arc. And Kevo, until we come back to finish off season three, where can everybody find you online? You can find me on Twitter and Instagram at Kevo Really, K-E-V-O-R-E-A-L-L-Y, and I might even use them sometimes. Who knows? You can also find me on the Facebook page for this amazing program, Husbands Talking More or Less, at Real Nico Kevo Action. And if you're looking for something fun to read, especially here in Pride Month, you can check out the LGBTQ plus superhero lineup of the Riot Squad over at KidRiotComics.com. Nico, where can the folks at home find you? You guys can find me all over this amazing network on Mondays and Thursdays, having just kicked off brand new seasons of X's for Podcast. This is X Mondays, where we're talking about modern X-Men stories, news and speculation, as well as classic X-Men over on Thursdays. We've got a new format, new theme, new logos, new hosts. You don't want to miss it. Don't forget to check out every episode of HTML, like our amazing back library, where we've talked about the MCU, the Alienverse, the Fox Marvelverse, and more. Check me out on Instagram at NicoAction. That's N-I-C-O-A-C-T-I-O-N. And guys, until we come back, keep those kyber crystals lit. May the Force be with you, and also with your Force ghosts. But like one of the good half Force ghosts. It's not like a Shmee Force ghost. Padme is poison! You know, I accidentally put Smee in my notes over and over again, and I had someone have to be like, no, that's Captain Hooks. Drink up me, Jedi, yo-ho. Drink up I me, I can have well. the last line! No! Thank you.